Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer. The NHL playoffs are now into the second round. As uh, we all know, the Flyers are watching those playoffs, as we all are as well. Uh, One guy that's played a lot of playoff games in his career in Philadelphia, the captain, Claude Giroux. Uh, 85 playoff games in Philadelphia, and next season is a big one for him. It's a contract year. His contract will be up after the 2021-22 season. Uh, We know what Claude Drew has done in this city and how many games he has played and what he's accomplished. Uh, I think the biggest thing he's still looking for is the Stanley Cup and going on a long playoff run again. He hasn't really done that since the Stanley Cup season in 2010. So, we're going to talk a little Claude Giroux and this big season ahead for him. Taryn Hatcher, let's start with you. Just how big of this, you know, is this season ahead for Claude Giroux? Where, where do you think he stands in his career here? And uh, what's next for the captain? Well, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what's next. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what's next for him, both in terms of, like, if he stays what his contract looks like based on age and the – flat cap situation um, moving forward because I've, I've read and I've heard a few times that they're expecting the cap won't really go up for like the next three to five years. So that'll be a killer, but it'll be interesting for guys like Claude Giroux who um, make a lot of money, but you know, are, are on the kind of the other side of their career here. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if he stays in Philly. It, it'd be interesting to see. I, I have uh I don't know. It'll be, he's got the no move clause. So, you know, he likes it here. We know his family likes it here. Um, but he's still like the moment the season ends within a few days or so, you know, goes back to Ottawa all the time. I believe his wife is from there as well. It's a lot of Ottawa connections, a lot of young talent on the Senators team. Like I think that's an interesting connection to keep an eye on. Um, but who knows? The other thing that's I think huge for next year is let's say next year is his last year as a flyer. If if they don't really do something tremendous next year, Claude Giroux's whole career here has been marked by inconsistency with the flyers. So the flyers making the playoffs and missing the playoffs for 10 consecutive season. The only, the only team in all four major sports in North American history to do so, to make him miss the playoffs um, every single year for 10 years. Uh, so it's just, it's interesting. It's a big year, I think. And I know we're going to get to his legacy a little bit more, um, later in this pod, but it's an interesting year, both in terms of how he sets himself up for his future and also, um, how it'll impact the way people remember Claude Giroux should it be his last season in Philadelphia. So it'll be interesting for sure. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. 
Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. It really will, and he's, he's expressed the desire to stay in one place in his, his entire career. I, I, he said that would, that's something you can be proud of. I think he has seen some other players do that, some other great players um, some franchise icons have done it uh, to stay in one C your entire career. Um, I think that means something to him. Uh, I think even climbing the, the team's franchise record boards, I think means something to him. And I think winning here would absolutely mean something to him. He hasn't been able to do that for a little while over the last nine, 10 years. Like you said, Terrence been in and out of the playoffs, no deep runs. Uh, gosh, just last season, they won their first playoff series since, 2011-12. So um, I think he really, really knows the last piece of his legacy here is really winning, is, is leaving that mark. But I think it will be fascinating to see how the Flyers play this season. Like, will that dictate not only the Flyers' motives in re-signing him, but also Claude Giroux's thoughts? Maybe another real sour season changes his mindset a little bit. Maybe he thinks about somewhere else and understands, hey, I've done a lot in Philadelphia now. But maybe, maybe there's another chapter of my career where I can go elsewhere and get a fresh start. Um, and, and maybe I'll get a better chance to win somewhere else. So I really wonder if the Flyers, uh, how, how they play next season, how much that will dictate things. I think right now, Claude Drew in his mind is thinking, I love Philadelphia and I would like to stay here and I believe we can win here. But, you know, maybe that's out of his control. Maybe next season goes awry and it's, it's becoming very doom and gloom here in Philadelphia. And maybe he starts thinking there is something else outside of here. I don't know. Joe Fortis, how do you think this uh, next season could play out for Claude Drew? How important is it for him to play well, but also the team to play well? Well, Jordan, you had mentioned earlier the thing missing is a Stanley Cup. I would say it doesn't even have to go that far. He needs to lead this team on a playoff run of sorts. Um I guess you could argue the bubble was a little bit of that, but I mean, you know, so they won a series. I don't anybody, I don't think anybody would consider that um, necessarily like a run. Um, you need to go to like the Eastern Conference Finals or something like that. Now, and, and you'd mentioned since 2010, and no one gives Drew credit for leading that because he was not the captain they had a core and he was one of the up and coming guys. Now he was great in those series, but you know, people always look at the veterans and the captain of teams that go far. Um, you know, everybody remembers the, uh, the guys who, who put the team on their back and, uh, and, and lead a team. Um, and, and, you could arguably Giroud did a little bit of that in 2010, but you had guys like Pronger and you had Mike Richards, who was a good playoff player for a number of years here. Um, you had Jeff Carter who had some injury trouble here, but when he played, he, he was very good. Um, 
So you had other guys in the mix. And no one would go at that point in time and say, this is Giroux's team. I think you'd more hear things like that about Pronger. So I think Giroux needs to lead one of Giroux's teams to, you know, a couple playoff series and maybe a conference finals at minimum to have that sort of um, remember when type of moment. And I don't think that – I don't know that Giroux has that remember when type of season yet. He has moments like his first shift against Crosby and scoring the goal and, you know, things like that. And you mentioned the milestones and things. But I don't think you, he has a remember that season moment yet, and that's what he needs. Yeah, 100%. And I think a lot of people are going to start doubting how effective will he be in these later years in his career. Uh, do the Flyers want to re-sign him? Um, I imagine they will because he's an icon. He's a face. They like his leadership. They know his value. But this next contract obviously will not be his previous contract. It's not going to be like that. He's in a different stage of his career. Taron Hatcher, I thought Claude Giroux was pretty darn effective this season. He was tied for the team lead in points. Um, Chuck Fletcher said there was no guy that played harder than Claude Giroux over the final two months of the season. And to me, that says something. That says something in the year in which the Flyers had, Claude Drew never slipped. He was the one that kept, kept going, kept going. Uh, do you doubt his effectiveness at all um, moving forward? I think he's a guy that can play until he's a lot older just because he stays in great shape. Um, he, he's not known to miss games. I, but what do you think on that topic? Good to go. Um, yeah, this year, I think this year – proved to a lot of people that Claude Drew was still as competitive and fiery and quite frankly, able to, to keep up and accumulate points um, as he was, because I, last year, at least the, the fan, the vibe that I would get from the Flyers fans that would come up and talk to me and ask me questions about the team was that because so many people were doing well in the 2019, 2020 season, it felt like, like this team will be, would have been fine without him. And, you know, we had talked many podcasts in the preseason about like, is Claude Giroux cooked? And, um, and at the end of the day, I think he proved this season that when, when a lot of players don't show up, he can still fight his way through a game and fight his team into a game in terms of on the scoreboard. Uh, we saw him do that single-handedly at the end of games a number of times this season um, which I think is important because he really, he did it when there was like no support at times. It was really just him doing it by himself. So I, I think it's pretty evident that he's, he's, he's able to compete. He's beyond serviceable. He's at times, like I said, he was the only one kind of doing anything in certain games, uh, the, the real thing I would like to see at this point in his career, and I, I'd like to go back and watch some of that 2019-2020 season from like January and February when they really start to find it two years ago. Um, because I, I would still like to see him stand out when other people around him are playing well. I think that seemed to be the critique of him the year before, is that when everybody else is playing well, he didn't necessarily stand out. And in part that's because other people were standing out, but, um, 
it feels like that's the main critique of him, especially locally, is that when the team is really good, you're not like, this guy is going to win us a championship. That's, that's just not how people feel here, if we're being realistic. The other part of that, though, is if you talk to people who root for other teams, they'll tell you I would kill for a guy like Clodrew on my team, just a guy who just fights. Um, well, metaphorically fights. He doesn't really like fight, fight. But um, So it's, it, it is interesting because the perception of Claude Giroux outside of Philly, I feel like is so different than it is in Philly. And I think this year he did a lot to bring those two perceptions closer together in a good way. Um, because they're still, I mean, I tell, I'll tell you right now, every, every city we would go to, if you got into a conversation about the team, someone would always bring up like, how do people in Philly not realize how good Claude Giroux is? And I do think it's because when the team is playing really well, he doesn't seem like a bang up superstar anymore. Um, but he also does things that are highly under, like his energy level in certain games was through the roof. I think he's underrated in certain ways still, but yeah, I don't, I wish I had a nice way to tidy it up and wrap it up in a nice sentence here, Jordan, but I, I don't, I think this year was a big step in the right direction for his image. I don't think that's that important. I think he just played good hockey this year, which is always a good sign. 100%. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Yeah, I think the the big tear between, you know, fans who were pro-Claude Drew and fans who were not pro-Claude uh, Drew, I think a lot of it is playoff success. He hasn't really done it in the playoffs um, over the last nine, ten years, nor has the Flyers. Uh, the Flyers haven't had success um, so a lot of people are probably going to say, well, Claude Drew didn't have the supporting cast. And I think you can really argue that for many years. Uh, but then last season, he did have a really good supporting cast, didn't perform as well. I think people wanted more. That's why I think next season will be so pressure filled because not only are the Flyers facing immense pressure to get back in the playoffs and do something with next season, but even if they do, they're going to want to see it from Claude Drew. Uh, the last year of his contract, uh, get into the playoffs, but not only that, they run, they're going to really want to see Claude Giroux do something in those playoffs, be that Claude Giroux that leads the way. Um, and it's going to really go a long way in how people probably remember him from a legacy standpoint. Joe Fordyce, we touched on it a little bit, but from a legacy standpoint, how do you think of Claude Giroux and how much uh, will next season play a factor into his legacy? I, I think, well, I think next season will be a, a big deal. Um, I'm kind of hesitant to say how big, because I don't know what form the team is going to take next season. Um, there could be big changes, which, you know, can affect the guy's legacy either way. Um, I would say his legacy is a little bit of an odd one in that it began with playoff run after playoff run, but he wasn't the captain of the team. So, it's almost like he has two legacies. He has the legacy as the young guy when Mike Richards was the captain. And then he has the legacy as the captain, which I think a lot of people would, you know, characterize as one that, um, 
don't know if I would, I, I would say fell short in that there just wasn't a tremendous amount of playoff success and his personal playoff performances were never as good. They haven't been as good as those early ones. I mean, those early ones, despite him not being the captain, he was the best player on the team uh, in the playoffs a number of those times. And um, so I think it's, it's almost a tale of two uh, Jeru's. Giroux not, not the captain, and then Giroux as the captain. And I think when you get a lot of uh, what Taron was talking about, the perception of him, I think a lot of it is tied to that captaincy. Um, this city has always had a big thing with that captaincy. Um, in, in a lot of people's eyes, Eric Lindros didn't live up to the C on his jersey. And then there was the big public taking of the sea off the, off of Eric's Jersey and giving it to Eric Desjardins and this big display and a lot of uh, almost like a dog and pony show type of thing to say that Eric Lindros is not the captain of this team anymore. So there's been this sordid history in this city with that captaincy of the flyers. And I think that has a lot to do with Jeru's legacy and maybe, you know, maybe some fans have been too hard on Giroux because of that history with the captaincy um, in this town. I think that definitely plays a role. Yeah. And we know Philadelphia, it's all about, it's all about playoff success, winning when it matters most. And you even think of Claude Giroux's historic career season in 2017, um, 102 points. Uh, it was a major resurgence in his career at 30 years old. He was magnificent that season really put the team on his back, willed that team to the playoffs. That team was that team was lacking in some areas, let's be real, and Drew carried them into the postseason, and then he followed it up with three points in six playoff games. He was a minus 10 that playoffs um, against a really good Penguins team. I believe they were the two-time defending champs going into that year. And, uh, you know, it, it probably put an asterisk on that season a bit for Claude Drew in, in many fans' eyes. Uh, many fans probably thought, well, hey, good for Claude Drew, 102 points. That was incredible. But what did you do for me in the playoffs? And that's just how Philly is, especially when a team is, um, you know, a team has gone through the last 10 years the Flyers have gone through in terms of playoff success and not, not really doing anything with it. Philly is craving a winner. And um, that's why I think next season will be so important to not only the Flyers, but also Claude Drew uh, and maybe his future here and also his legacy here. But another player in a contract year and another very important player to the Flyers, Sean Couturier, his contract will be up after next season. Uh, we know he is due for a raise. And let's be real, if he has a big season next year, uh, that raise could go even higher. Taron Hatcher, what do you think of Sean Couturier's outlook going into next season? How hungry do you think he will be knowing he is due for a raise? For Sean Couturier, I honestly don't expect – a whole lot to change for Coots. I feel like he just shows up every day and kind of has the same mindset all the time. That being said, I, I do, I have seen a lot of change in Couturier from last season to this season in terms of like publicly calling out the team and um, basically like saying that he was embarrassed by how easy it was to play against the Flyers this year. That was much more of like a in the dressing room leadership type of guy who then publicly also 
uh, not that he wasn't publicly a leader before, but was saying the types of things that the leader in the locker room says, essentially. But I, I anticipate Sean Couturier will head into next season and head into most games the way he's done for the past few years. Um, I think a lot of the Flyers' struggles this year don't really at all reflect on how Sean Couturier played even a little bit. Um, so, yeah, and I anticipate I won't I won't be surprised if in this flat cap era, if Sean Couturier is one of those guys who still gets a contract that you look at and you're like, wow, that's a lot of money. Um, just because there aren't once once Bergeron retires, there's not another close to Sean Couturier-like player um, that still has as many good years left in him as Coots does, in my eyes. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. They're gonna have to play some twister with the cap space, I think, to try to afford Sean, especially if Drew's still on the team. And I know he'll be older, but you expect he's still gonna command some decent money. Um, it, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be so strange to see how these teams handle the caps, not just in terms of money, but also years, not knowing how long the cap is going to be flat. So, uh, but I, I don't anticipate Sean Couturier's approach changes at all because his approach has seemingly always been somewhat similar and it helped him win a Selkie trophy last year, if we're being honest. So I, I would anticipate the same Coots, just a, a, a Coots who actually gets paid for his value would be what I expect. Yeah, it's almost a shame. It's almost wrong that uh, his contract year is coming in the flat cap era. And obviously no one could foresee that. Uh, no one could foresee a pandemic. But, um, you know, that guy signed what has turned out to be a bargain contract, going back to Ron Hextall's days as general manager, because it – you know, it, it came before Sean Couturier had his breakout. Ron Hextall, obviously, and the Flyers, they did their homework. They knew Sean Couturier was due for bigger things. And uh, they locked him up for six years, $26 million, um, where he's, you know, his his annual cap hit is $4.33 million, um, which we know all that he does, 200 feet, uh, Selkie Trophy winner. Um, he is he is definitely more valuable than, than that uh, figure. So we'll have to see. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what his next contract is. And um, gosh, if he comes back with the Selkie type of season, you have a feeling that he's going to earn a lot more and uh, the Flyers should give it to him. He's, you know, Trongatore is in his prime and I think he still can be better. Uh, I think he would admit that. I think a lot of people would admit that. Joe Fordyce, what are you expecting from Trongatore uh, next season? A big one for him. Yeah, and, and I think Karen pegged it. Uh, th the approach that he's always had is the approach that's going to get him paid. So I expect much more. I expect better because I think this year he was dealing with a lot of nagging stuff. I mean, a number of times, you know, he it got a little bit injured and we see, you know, we never know exactly how injured, injured is for Couturier. Um, and he plays through a lot. So we never know that. But I, I will say I expect better if he's healthy. And, um, you know, I think a, a full training camp, a full off season will help things like that. Um, so maybe we don't have to watch Couturier try to play through injury and constantly ask ourselves like Taryn and I do in the uh, newsroom. Is Couturier all right? Like 
he doesn't look like he has that explosiveness or he doesn't look like he has this or, you know, um, was it two years ago? He, he had trouble taking face-offs with the wrist injury or uh, like the forearm injury, um, shoulder maybe. I, I can't – I a healthy Sean Couturier is going to be better than what we saw this year. And for the Flyers, hopefully that is what they get. And that should lead to a payday for, uh, for Coots. Absolutely. And yeah, it, it was, if you look back at his numbers, he did some pretty impressive things this year and you could tell he wasn't fully right. As we know, he missed 10 games earlier in the season then he had the reoccurring kind of hip issue. So, and the guy right. still loves play. <laughs> and you know, what's interesting, Jordan, that early season thing that cost him the 10 games, it was like this little bump into the boards. At least that's what we yeah. all took as the, and I feel like when you get an injury like that, as opposed to like getting blasted into the boards, yeah. when you get an injury, like a little warm up thing and you bump into the boards or, or a little, just kind of a, you get rid of the puck and take a little shoulder from a guy and glance off the boards. And that's what injures you and keeps you out 10 games. You got to think when you come back from an injury like that, you have this feeling like, man, anything could cost me another 10 or maybe more games, yeah. you know, a little glancing blow off the boards that these guys, I mean, we've seen these guys out there in warmups checking each other and banging each other into the boards, much the same way that play happened with Couturier. Yeah. So you got to be thinking, okay, this could get, happen at any given time. So I bet that affects your play mentally when that's the injury that costs you 10 games. A hundred percent. And uh, we, we figured we would have some fun now thinking of, a cold brew check presented by Duncan. And we're going to tap into the playoffs and tap into the Maple Leafs misery right now. Um, a good comparison because I think Flyers fans are kind of miserable right now with where their team stands. And suddenly Maple Leafs fans are feeling pretty miserable themselves. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs were knocked out of the playoffs in the first round yet again. Uh, they blew a 3-1 series lead to the Montreal Canadiens. So it made us think of this cold brew check presented by Duncan. Taryn Hatcher, I'll start with you. Who would you rather be? Would you rather be in the Flyers' shoes or the Maple Leafs' shoes? Weirdly, I'd rather be in the Flyers' shoes. Like, okay. that and the Maple Leafs, they haven't won a series since 2004. Like, yeah. so on the whole, you, like, I, I get my most of my, like, enjoyable life where I had – you know, income to spend on flyers tickets and go to bars and watch games with my friends, whatever has been spent bouncing in the playoffs, out of the playoffs, in the playoffs, out of the playoffs, whatever. But like, it's just, it's, it's brutal too, because they had the best record in the North. I think there were murmurs that they kind of self crowned themselves like North division champions, even though they didn't come out of the North division in the playoffs, which is really the North division champion. Um, and they have talent. Like, it's not like you go back and you go, how do I build from these pieces? Like, it makes sense, whatever, but you can't have that talent level and not win a playoff. Like you can't have Nylander and, and Marner and Matthews and, and not, you just can't, you can't. It's, I think it's, I was, I was um, watching a clip that was from Sportsnet, I think, up in Canada, and they were, this was before game seven, and they were like, who is this game bigger to? 
Canadians fans who, you know, fired this, their coach this year and threw the most money in the NHL into their rebuild in the offseason, this, that, and the next thing. Or Toronto, who has all the talent and really should be a front, front runner to win the, the whole thing. And to me, it was always Toronto. Like, if you're the Canadians, you put a ton of new players together. It's a weird year. You don't really get to bond the way you normally would as a team. Like, there's a lot of excuses you can make if you're um, the Habs. If you're the Maple Leafs, just, like, not – I just don't – I don't know where you go from – like, at least if you're a Flyers fan, you look at it and you go, okay, you hope that's a one-off season for Carter Hart and he is never that bad again. And that wins you a few games. That wins you quite a few games in and of itself. And then you go, okay, well, Travis Konechny, something was wrong. And then six of our guys got COVID and all of them had symptoms from COVID. You know, like you can kind of look at where the season broke down and you can explain it away to people. Toronto letting that, letting that series go. I don't know how you explain it away to anyone. I just don't. I wonder so, if I'd rather be a flyer fan right now. And I am. There you go. Taryn with the old school sweatshirt. Amazing. Um, it really is a crazy question because on the one side of the coin, you can maybe say okay, Toronto still has that young core. They still have Austin Matthews, Mitchell Marner, uh, John Tavares is under contract and you hope he gets healthy and comes back next yeah. season. He's only 30. Uh, you have Nylander locked up. So you got to think eventually it's going to turn for them. And like, they still have the youth. That's like, They've arrived that like their youth and their core has arrived. They just haven't arrived in the postseason yet. But at the same time, gosh, like they've gone through some hell in terms of just disappointing finishes. It makes me think that maybe that Canadian division was pretty overrated this year. Edmonton gets swept in the playoffs. Um, and then Toronto uh, has their disappointment and, and with their collapse. And then after that, it really falls off. Like Winnipeg's pretty good, like, but the Canadians didn't have a great year. I just wonder, Joe, do you think that division uh, was a little overrated? And then also, who would you rather be, Flyers or Maple Leafs? Well, here's the thing. What I'll say about that division is I feel like that division, that division got into this style of play where it's like let's score six goals to win every game. And that doesn't generally work in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Edmonton was that type of team. Um, you know, and the, most of the other teams that were successful in that division could play that kind of way. Um, now, here's what I'll say about that particular series with Montreal. When you go into a series and one team has Carey Price, who is a Hall of Fame goaltender, tons of experience, and I think what caught up to Toronto in this series is the fact that they had Jack Campbell playing a goal, and this guy was a career backup until this year. He was a great story. He won, what, 11, 10, 11 straight games. And then when you put that all on him in a city like Toronto in the playoffs, I think that becomes problematic. I'm in, And he blamed himself. He started crying on the podium last night, I saw. But I'm not going to put that all on him. It was a bad goal that he gave up in the first goal of the game last night. But here's what I'll say. I think the Toronto Maple Leafs play – like they're afraid of their own. They play like they're afraid of their city. And I don't think any Flyers team in history would ever say that because Toronto has a history of running players out of town. They ran Phil Kessel out of town because all he did was score goals. Wasn't tremendously interested in defense. 
There's going to be players like that. Winning teams have players like that. I don't think anybody is going to accuse Alex Ovechkin of playing too much defense. Um, they won a Stanley Cup. They run players out of, out, out of that city. And I feel like I've never seen a professional sports franchise absolutely wilt when the pressure gets turned up like that, that Toronto team does. Toronto has made a, hit, a, a habit of losing to Boston in the playoffs in absolutely brutal fashion. Um, and, you know, yeah, I would, rather be, I would rather be the Flyers, hands down, because I feel like the Flyer fans are always on the side of the Flyers. Yeah, they're going to get angry about this guy or that guy, or they're going to want answers, but they're never going to for lack of a better term, I feel like Toronto eats their young, you know, they, they can't help themselves and they almost destroy the team from inside out. And it's happened over so many eras. It's interesting. Karen brought up 2004 because that's the season that Jeremy Roenick ended the flyer, uh, the Maple Leafs playoffs by winning with a, a game winning goal in overtime for the flyers that year. One of the uh, more important playoff goals in the history of this franchise. So, um, yeah, to me, it's an easy choice. You'd rather be the Flyers because um, you could say there are other teams that have blown 3-1 leads. Clearly, the Flyers did it in 2000. But when you look at how that transpired this year, that talent – I mean, the talent level isn't even close. And and I know John Tavares went down in the first game, but even with the guys that remained healthy, they still were had twice to three times the amount of talent as that Montreal team outside of the goaltender. Um, You could say only the, only the Leafs can do what they just did over the past week or so. Um, So to me, no question. It's the flyers. You'd rather be the flyers. I'll, I'll go against both of you guys, and I'll, I'll say I'd rather be the Maple Leafs, and I'll, I'll say just for this, and I think it's a really good argument. Uh, I think it was really fun that, Joe, that you thought of this topic. Um, great for the Cold Brew check presented by Duncan. I'll say Maple Leafs just because they do have an established young core that I think is only getting better. If you look at it, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are, are already facing that playoff um, curse type of pressure. They're only 23 and 24 years old, respectively. And so to me, that, that it's just fascinating and they, that these two kids are the face, the faces of the Maple Leafs, and they're only 24 and 23, and they're facing that pressure already. I, I think eventually these guys are going to figure it out in the playoffs, and I think they still have a lot to build around with those two, John Tavares being locked up, and I think he's still John Tavares. He's 30, um, Nylander. So I'll say the Flyers have a little more questions of – is the time seriously ticking on what they have in place? Um, I don't think the Flyers have a young established core yet that's really done what the Maple Leafs have done. I think their young kids still have to prove themselves. And then on top of that, the Flyers have the questions of, well, our core in place are vets. Guys that haven't done it yet really for a while now. Claude Giroux, Jacob Voracek, uh, Sean Couturier, obviously. Um, so I think there's a little bit more pressure to prove it now for the Flyers. I understand the, the patients should be running incredibly thin in Toronto. No doubt about it. Um, but I do like their youth, and I think you still have a lot to like there, whereas the Flyers, I think, have a little more, hey, clock is ticking now, and you got to do it before we have to make some serious tough decisions. Taryn, go ahead. 
Well, so here's here's my, and I agree with you on the youth thing, but the one part that I disagree with, and I think it's the same conversation we're having with the Flyers now as well, especially last season after the young players started playing well and it seemed like the gap between the youth and the veterans was starting to get bridged, whatever, is I understand um, people leaning on the hope for the future with Toronto, like like even last year. You know, look at look at Marner, look at Matthews. They're still essentially babies in this league and, you know, whatever. But when you look at this year and you look at how well different guys played throughout the season, like Wayne Simmons was playing well in the season. They get Nick Foligno. Yeah, they get Nick Foligno, who's 33 years old. And they get Joe Thornton, who has a ton of playoff experience and is, you know, very veteran. He is veteran plus. Um and you think like, okay, this should help form. And, and to, losing Tavares was like, I think massive in a way that also could have been galvanizing. That was kind of what surprised me is that you think it'd be a, a galvanizing moment where the, especially the older guys look at the young guys and go, this is when you win. This is when you win for him. And that was the part that surprised me was that even with all of those veterans, quite a few who have a lot of leadership experience and playoff leadership experience, and that doesn't really translate. That's the part that was kind of strange to me because it felt like it should have, it should have done more. It felt like this should be the thing that pushes them over the edge and helps them break through whatever kind of mental block they've been dealing with. And it didn't translate as it should have. It is hard. Like Joe said, when you've got a backup goaltender, who's your main playoff goaltender, that being said, like, Carter Hart arguably outplayed Carey Price last year, you know, and I know the Canadians weren't as good as the Flyers were, but the Flyers were certainly not themselves in that bubble either. And the Canadians played them hard. And I think the Canadians were actually kind of a tough matchup for them. Um, So it's just, I I don't know. The whole thing that frustrates me is like, how many of those guys are the Leafs going to have for how many years? Because they should be the ones who help push the young guys over the edge of that playoff hump. And they didn't this year. Weird year. You know, if we can say it's a weird year for the Flyers, it gets to be a weird year for everybody. But um, that was more what surprised me. It it seemed like Toronto picked up every, like, high-quality character guy, especially. And that didn't – who can also play hockey, by the way. And it didn't have as much of an impact on their play and the ultimate outcome of everything the way that I thought it would. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, they got Jay, they brought in Jake Muzzin, uh, uh, an experienced yeah. defenseman, in addition to the guys you mentioned, Taryn. And I, a couple things I'll point out is, so now, now this Leafs team has to go into 82 games regular season next year. That means virtually nothing until you get to the playoffs. It means nothing. And that's a tough mentality for a player. I think it's a really tough mentality for a player. And I'll also say this, when they get to the postseason next year, things are going to come out like, hey, remember last year when Mitch Marner had more penalty minutes than points in that series against, uh, against um, Montreal? He had two penalty minutes in the series and one point. Yeah. Mitch Marner. I mean, that's a guy they rely on. And, you know, it, it's well, – those- and- the pressure is only going to swell and i think that is in that city in the nhl maybe worse than any other city because we've seen it for i saw uh yesterday that the beatles recorded all you need is love 41 days after the last time the leafs won the cup think about that yeah, I, I think you're not uh, a big Beatles guy, Jordan, but I mean, that, that, is, <laughs> that is. I know that's a long time. I'll say that much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know the exact number, but Mitch Marner's over the glass penalties, like his playoff number over the glass penalties is bizarre. And that's where you think, like, oh, there's some yips there still. Like these young guys get the yips. And, and that's where I'm like, why? Why don't you, you know, like, I know what kind of an impact Wayne Simmons has on his teammates. I saw it here in Philly and I know it was unique here in Philly, but playing in Toronto was a big deal to him. He's never, he's, he's not hidden what it meant for him to play for an iconic team like the Maple Leafs. I think it's, he's probably just as important in that locker room to those players or has the potential to be. And that's where I'm like, it felt like some of those older guys who probably can't remember what the yips feel like they got them so long ago should have helped ease the tension of some of the younger guys and pushing through playoff struggles. And it just didn't happen. And I just think it goes to show you that the, the pressure is legit in those markets. Like it is real. Um, I think it takes some serious mental fortitude to get past those, those playoff demons. And I'll never forget uh, when Matt Niskanen came here, to Philadelphia last season and uh, I was eager and many uh, many us mem- media members were eager to pick his brain about winning a Stanley Cup in Washington DC and he just said what made it really really gratifying was that 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 core group of guys really faced a lot of scrutiny and pressure and criticism um, almost like some of them had become almost like the laughing stock of the league in many ways in the sense that they were known to have all this great regular season success and then they would crash and burn under pressure in the playoffs. And he said, he, he, he said that really wore on guys to the point where he said he felt for guys, he felt for, you know, his teammates that that pressure really built in that market of the capitals or the capitals, great regular season team, but never do it when it matters. And he says, that's what made it so special was overcoming that pressure um, outside demons, outside pressure, um, and I think the, the Maple Leafs are going to start feeling that they already are. I think the Flyers feel it. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, because you know, these, these markets are legit and they, and they want winners. And when you continue to, to fall in the biggest moments, uh, 
you get labeled. And um, it'll be fascinating to see how the Maple Leafs deal with it, how the Flyers deal with it next season. Um, it will be no very- Marner, no Matthews, no Drysidle, no McDavid, no Ovechkin in the playoffs right now. No, no Crosby, no Malkin. No yeah, yeah. It just shows I mean, you, you know, stars can lose. Sometimes it, you know it takes a team to really do it. You need a good supporting cast. You need a lot of things to go your way, but um, yeah, a lot of star power out of the playoffs, and uh, they will be watching the playoffs like the Flyers now moving forward. But that was our cold brew check presented by Duncan. Uh, This season, be sure to grab a cold brew for game time because where there's hockey, there's Duncan. Well, Taryn Hatcher, Joe Foray, so great chatting with you. I know we will continue to enjoy watching the playoffs and we will continue to hit on so many Flyers topics this offseason. When you feel it gets slowing down, we'll continue to heat it up with the offseason chatter and we'll continue to tap into the playoffs. But Taryn, Joe, thank you so much as always. Ben Berry, our podcast producer, Thank you so much as well. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time.